welcome to the Thinking Pilates podcast, where show after show, we bring you a different way to think about teaching Pilates. We make you dig deep, ask the tough questions, and keep unraveling the rich layers of teaching movement. I'm Chantel Lopez, founder of Skillful Teaching, an international education company just for Pilates and movement teachers, and author of Moving Beyond Technique. I am so gratefully joined in this delightful and crazy endeavor by my sometimes co-host and podcast co-founder, master teacher and mentor, Deborah Colway, as well as the brilliant and funny consummate explorer of movement and people, James Crater. So hi, everybody. This is our second installment of the teacher community debrief. And um, we did one earlier. We had a fantastic turnout of seven teachers plus myself, um, some really juicy conversation. And now because we had a lot of interest, we are doing a second round, which is totally great. And we have a couple of wonderful teachers on with us and we're going to just follow the same format. So if you listened to part one, we're going to just dive in with a basic question and give everybody a chance to speak. What you're going to hear is a really lively conversation, a little different than part one because there's four of us. And so there's a really nice back and forth and exchange. So without further ado, we're going to start with a question. Where do you think we are now as an industry and where are we going? Like, what's the vibe? What's your sense of, of how we're showing up and, and where we're moving as individual teachers and as practitioners and, and where is our community going? We're going to start with Allison, and unfortunately, I was a total dummy, and I didn't hit the record button early enough, and so Allison Crouch um, is the owner of Boomerang Pilates in uh, Canada, and she. we're going to just jump into this episode. She's kind of in mid-sentence, so forgive me for that, um, but you, you really, are, you're going to you're gonna get a lot out of the conversation. We missed about uh, a minute and a half, so here we go. So I love that. I love that continuous evolution. Um, and so that's kind of my teaching approach. I came to Pilates through uh, my own physical stuff. I had fibromyalgia for several years, um, which was not so fun when I was in my 20s mm-hmm. and had great support from massage therapist and chiropractor. But it was it was early on in the days before we knew a lot about fibromyalgia. So people would say, well, you should probably keep moving, but I really hurt and I didn't really want to move. And Pilates was the thing I found. I was a stagehand at the time. So I was used to going to the gym and bench pressing. I'm a pretty tiny, physically tiny person. Um, <laughs> at the time, I probably weighed about a hundred pounds and I could bench press, you know, more than my body weight. And I worked with a lot of men doing a lot of really grubby, dirty work. So I had a big chip on my shoulder about that. And then I couldn't move anymore, which was, you know, a total betrayal from my body of what I had been doing for, you know, years. Mm-hmm. So finding Pilates as this way of moving mindfully, I had a fantastic first instructor, um, Elisa Walton in Toronto. She was amazing for her observation and her humor and her invitation for people to do the work that is appropriate for you today. And mm-hmm. so that has kind of been the foundation for me of the whole evolution of my teaching and my practice. Mm-hmm. Sounds so that's, great. yeah, it's, <laughs> that's just, I love it. Right. I just love it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some really interesting stuff going on in the Pilates world as we get, as you were talking to Trina the other day, lots of people who are combining yoga and Pilates 
um, practices and finding the form of one and the fluidity of the other mm-hmm. is an interesting thing that seems to be happening quite a lot. I think that the introduction of the fairly specific alignment and biomechanics stuff has been interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having kind of run that game, I'm pretty precise and specific in my thinking that just appeals to me that, mm-hmm. that approach, but it's been really important to step back to make sure that when we introduce alignment stuff from that particular world, that we're not um, precising people out of the game and making them feel bad about what they can and can't do. God, I love that. Precising people out of the game. I, I, I just feel like well, that happens, right? It, it happens does. so much. Um, yeah. And I want to just say this. There's so, I mean, there's just like this perfect nugget of us. Um, well, never mind. Never mind. Scratch <laughs> Forget it. I'm changing my mind. I'm actually, I like it. You said we were perfect. So. You are perfect. It was a good, it was a, it was a lovely direction. Carry You're on. You're perfect. Yes. But I'm going to stop because I'm actually having, I'm hearing Claudia's voice in my head from a, a comment she gave me recently. So we're just going to keep this really straightforward and clear. So Allison, keep going. <laughs> Uh, so I think there is, I loved the way you, you were talking in your invitation to this, this podcast about the two kind of streams that seem to be happening where there's the commodification and the popularization and the, the club Pilates, Pilates all over the place, big box. Um, I have, I have colleagues and, and teacher clients who are teaching classes of 40 and 50 people <laughs> at one time, not like over the course of the day in one space. Yeah. And that's a really different experience from the more heart-centered, the more process-centered, the more journey-oriented kind of teaching, which is, which is so, so this is total bias. This is, that would be the way I like to teach. But I also feel like, you know, if you look back at the way Joseph Pilates was teaching, there weren't classes at all. You just went to the studio and you worked with him and you worked with Hannah and you worked on your own stuff. You weren't in a group of 40 or 50 people hoping like hell that you understood mm-hmm. vaguely what the teacher who's really far away from you and can't see you is trying mm-hmm. to convey. Mm-hmm. But then I think on top of that, we also have the magic of the internet. Mm-hmm. And so there's this whole other layer of the gift. I mean, I love what I'm learning from my community online. I love the fact that I'm learning from people in Australia that you know I may or may not ever see in person, but I'm getting amazing information. I was really hoping that Nikki would show up because I love Nikki's work. It's inspiring and real and and that's amazing. But I know that there are also people who are in their living room or in their dining room and they're working in ways that aren't necessarily serving them as well as it could if they ever got some real eyes on them. Mm-hmm. So to me, there are these kind of three elements that are all happening and they're twining and intertwining. And I'm hoping that we create space for all of those things and we don't get um, siloed right into like mine is the only way. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is part of what's so interesting about the conversation I have been a part of at least, and I think all of the, you know, us and those of who, those teachers that were on the earlier version of this and, you know, people who are listening to Janet and Nikki's podcast and going to primal movement works and, you know, showing up in our 
orbits um, is that I, I have the experience of, of our community um, really, and I used this term earlier, and I'm not sure if this came up in the Anula podcast, but like de-identifying, right? Like kind of, this is very cheesy, but like breaking down walls, right? So there's, mm-hmm. there's our priorities feel like to me that they're shifting from like, I, I have to be solely identified as this kind of teacher versus I, I'm dedicated to teaching, you know, people how to live better. Right. And, and mm-hmm. I'm using a lot of tools and I, and classical Pilates serves me in some moments and contemporary in other moments and not Pilates at all in other moments. And we've had this conversation, particularly Deborah and I around, um, you know, the comparing mind of like things have to be right or wrong. Like we, we really are searching often many of us for like, this is the way to do it versus not the right way to do it. And not only from, I think right or wrong are not absolute. So what might be right for me right now might be wrong for me later. Or what may be right for the one client may be wrong for a different Terrible for another one. Which yes. is, so putting things in boxes that way are is a little bit problematic. Yeah, so. yeah. And I feel like we talked about that maybe on the podcast that I was on with you guys, mm-hmm. um, Janet. You know, it's, it, it is, it is, it's not, to me at least, it's not black and white, right? Of course, when we're dealing with the body, especially, but just humans in general, it's always some shade of gray. And that shade is changing, as you say, from moment to moment and day to day. Um, well, it's not just that. There's... Um, Again, you just look at our country and we're at a very polarized position in history, right? Mm-hmm. So 50% of people are having one experience and 50% are having a completely different experience. I don't think but that that's both new. of their things are true to them, right? And right. So <laughs> to get into them, right? So yeah, yeah. Like my experience is right and for me. So it's kind of, you don't want to take someone's experience away from them because it's different than yours. I'm getting too mm-hmm. philosophical. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can take this into movement as well, right? That there's, there's no one right way to do anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, so, I would so agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and this, I think, speaks to not only um, are we, well, again, in my experience, kind of, blurring the edges, right? And, and teaching from a different perspective, but this teaching perspective we were talking about earlier, and I don't want to be too redundant from the previous uh, group, but we were talking about, cause it's been a theme for us, the difference between fixing and facilitating. And yeah. I think one of the qualities of fixing often is there is a right way. There's a right alignment versus, you know, and let's just say, I mean, we could use different words, right? Right and wrong is very black and white, but we could say poor movement patterns versus, you know, efficient movement Thank patterns. Um, so we could, you know, we can totally change the language. Um, and I, and, and still it feels like there's lots of room for gray, obviously. And I, I want to, I want to just get Claudia in here because, you know, the yeah. work, that, the work that you guys are doing, Claudia is, just really super awesome. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, this, this, uh, this is your area, right? Like, yeah. Working with poor versus effective, inefficient, et cetera. Yeah. And the stifling by just over correcting, over cueing, just 
the the uh, the crippling, so to speak, of their organic movement, and mm-hmm. that's really what I'm looking at. Is I've been in this industry for so long. I don't like to say it because it makes me sound really old. So <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah. Do we have a hundred years between that, all of us here today? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're close. Serious. And. It just seems so contrived that we're doing so, doing these exercises, and we're just so focused on exercise, and that people need to, to our clients and our and the students need to to execute it. So, and believe me, as a young teacher, that was very much, and I was super precise, and I was very strict on it, and 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 it it has changed, and I don't know if it's the um, the philosophy as one grows in their uh, knowledge, um, you know, my background, I have a, my degrees in movement exercise science with emphasis in sports medicine. And my, I can just hear one of my professors, Joan Tudor, and mm-hmm. as the pendulum swings, <laughs> and here we are. So the, <laughs> yeah, we all can hear her, right? And, and that's what's happening. It's like we've kind of gotten so um precise you know to oblivious and that now we're swinging away from that mm-hmm. and we're looking at hey are you know what are we really achieving by being that way what are we getting out of it you know uh, how you know that dr phil how's that working for you it's not so <laughs> let's find in there needs to be somewhere in the middle of it and i've always thought it was just silly how we go to gyms to work out okay yes and i was uh, a fitness director athletic director for 11 years in a gym and maybe in a rather large gym actually two gyms in the east bay and you know you just go okay these people are coming inside to run on a treadmill look how beautiful it is outside outside. yeah (laughs) i have a great story for you on that one that i have um, oh i'm sure oh goodness yes because we have um I, i i'm Microsoft. My husband works at Microsoft, so I'm in a geek area. You probably have the same thing if you're in the Bay Area. So we were at Thanksgiving with a a group of people because I'm Canadian as well, and the U.S. Thanksgiving is not my holiday. And um, they were trying to talk about how to get more exercise, and one person was upset because uh, his doctor told him to play his video. He can't combine his exercise time with his video time. So he's like, I was going to jump on a mini trampoline, but he's like, but I can't aim anything. Right. So the video games are no fun while jumping on the video trampoline. So they're like, how could we get this at work? And then he's like, well, you could get the treadmill desk, right, where you can walk. And then he is like, my problem with the treadmill desk is that I'm in meetings too much. So I'm constantly having to go from one place to another because I'm too high up to be in my office all the time. So they're like, oh, we could get a treadmill that could move. So it had like a motor that you could move. Uh, And then you can bring it to your meetings and back to your office. And then my husband, who's like the king of the absurd, he's like, wow, and in a nice day, you could take it outside on the trail. uh, But I'm going, you could probably make a small fortune selling the outdoor treadmill. You can go out on a... So... Exactly. Uh, yes. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and so coming back, thank you, Janet. Sorry. Back, it's like, no, it's... he's not here to edit me, so just so you know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's free. We like that freestyle. And that's, that's it. It's like, okay, look at how 
how did we move before we had fitness clubs and and before any method was me was developed and why were these methods developed and where did where does this come from and you know i'd love to look at um uh the history of exercise the history of movement i love i love to see that early stuff and where this you know it, 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 where this came from and why do we need to have it you, you know humans moved just fine for many of hundreds of years mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and and that's the kind of movement that i want to teach my clients is how to move the way a human's supposed to move not how a machine uh, and not dissing anything but an elliptical is a a set it's a it's a a fixed piece it's of tough. movement mm -hmm. and and there's a lot of things that are fixed and you know that's why i tend to gravitate to things that are not so fixed in in in, in what i use i i see the importance of fix and sometimes you have to use the fix for pro um uh helping a, a person to get a uh the the neural programming and because they're mm -hmm. just off their rockers because they have that <laughs> the, the, the movement morons but you know i'm sorry and they're that's important there's there's places for all of this yeah. and there's there's many tools out there but when when you start to evolve into that it, it's it's actually freeing yourself of those tools and finding your place in space and how you relate to gravity, how you relate to where you are and how that and how you respond to it. And that to me is organic. And that's the human movement that you you want to instill into your clients, not how well you can do the a, a particular exercise, you know, and it doesn't matter what modality you use. It's it's not being that the exercise like I was teaching as a seventeen year old today is, is comes in, he's got herniated disc, right? And you're sitting like a C. Really? Okay. You guys don't know this client. Has no you know, we've talked about his posture, all this kind of stuff. And so we had to do a little explanation of what this is all about. And it's Exercises are there to help train the nervous system, help to increase the the um, endurance of the the tonics and and have the strong phasics and all that fancy words. Just say the movers and the shakers, <laughs> right? And that's what we want to do is use that that exercise to facilitate a better movement of human movement organic human movement and i'll get off my po podium now <laughs> no, it's, it's a good it. podium though it is, it is. That's, yeah. that's really important what happens in the studio is not the be-all and the end-all what happens in the studio is really just there to facilitate a better more rewarding more comfortable more active life outside the studio yeah, and I kind of love how your clients make you think sometimes. So I have an 82-year-old client who was like, she goes, oh, it's interesting in Pilates how sometimes you control my pathway. So like, say, if I'm pushing a pedal on the chair versus sometimes it's complete degrees of freedom. And how are you picking which one you're doing when? And then I was like, I'm really proud that you think I have that much thought going into this, number one. <laughs> but I had never really thought about it that way. But you know what I'm saying? There's times when we're using the pulleys where you have much more unlimited range, right? That someone's arm might go yeah. a little higher or a little lower. And then there's other times where the machine is giving you the path. 
uh, even within our own discipline mm-hmm. and, um, and that there's times sure. for and both then, of them. Yeah. Yeah. And life, life has both of those. I mean, we have open and closed kinetic chains in all kinds of different places. So if we're doing, as Claudia said, if you're doing some neural patterning where you want someone to have an understanding of how does it feel when a muscle is working in conjunction with the ground or, you know, a tree because you're tree climbing or whatever you might be doing, as opposed to when your arms are swinging free and do your arms swing free? Is it possible (laughs) for them to do that? Or are they so bound up at the shoulder or at the hand? And so for sure using that's, that's the place where the equipment is so, is so interesting is if you can do exactly what you're describing, Janet, to combine open chain, closed chain, resistance, no resistance, and then you just keep feeding their brains a little more, my own brain, right? One, because I need this stuff too, mm-hmm. to just keep giving a little bit more information, a little different information um, of variability, right? Variability of terrain, variability of resistance, variability of freedom of movement so that, so that we, we keep all the bits and pieces going. Instead of staying yeah. always on like a really rigid trajectory of we're doing this exercise in a sagittal plane of motion and it's a core, you know, it's a core exercise. Everybody loves their core exercise. <laughs> but until you can get down on the ground and crawl and crawl with your mm-hmm. knees down and crawl with your knees up and crawl in different directions and crawl backwards and crawl unilaterally and crawl bilaterally, then you can't tell me your core is firing. I don't care how many hundreds mm-hmm. you can do. Yeah. 15 ways to travel. You got it. Yeah. That's yeah, what we exactly. ca- crawling is our travel. And you can crawling. take it from your crap. Cra- oh, God, I love you. Yay. Crawlers Unite. Yes. Crawlers you know, crawling is uh, awesome. Crawler, we have to have a crawler meetup or something. <laughs> we do uh, We do exactly. crawling obstacle courses where we'll set up. Ooh. The Bosu right side up and a Bosu upside down and foam rollers all lined up and blocks and wobble boards and bubble wrap and <laughs> just like back and sideways and different kinds of textures. And you can crawl on your hands and knees. You can bear crawl. So hands and feet, you can crawl holding on to something. I did one circuit um, at one of Katie Bowman's restorative exercise weeks and she's got a huge space. So we did this huge like giant obstacle course. And so I pretended that I was taking vital medicine to my children through the Amazon jungle. So I really had to not drop the, I like picked a bunch of stuff out of my purse and was carrying it around like three pens and a pair of headphones and my phone or something. But then you have to use totally different strategies. I love that so much. And Claudia, I don't know if you remember this. But <laughs> do, uh, maybe you do. I think you probably will. Many years ago, God, I don't even know how long, when I was still, uh, Kristen and I were still you know, together at Pilates Collective, um, we hosted the presenters workshop. And do you remember the improv, the whole improv movement section that she did where we had to move. A, she would create a scenario. So, so Kristen Uvalotz Greg was my previous business partner, owner at Pilates Collective in Sonoma County, and she was an actor. She is an actor, and she was a voiceover mm-hmm. actor and all kinds of great things. But so improv is a big piece that she brings to uh, her kind of you know to the table. It's in her skill set, and she. I just remember we're in this big studio space, and she, I think she's saying something like. Okay, so you're going to imagine that there's 
a windstorm and you're being blown across the room. And Mm. there's like this big group of teachers and we're, we're like throwing ourselves around and on the (laughs) ground and up, up, bouncing off the walls. And we're moving back and forth across this big space, imagining that we're being blown by this, this, you know, this massive windstorm. I, besides almost just nearly peeing my pants because it was so (laughs) funny. It was also, I think, just that kind of like, um, like to take your imagination there and to see what your body provides. Like, how often do we actually move like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, joy back it, into the movement. Yeah, totally. Yeah. First, first of all, that was unforgettable. Yeah, <laughs> it's always been a wonderful memory, and I'll never, never forget. But what was what was the start of is liberation. Mm-hmm. Is like you know we're a lot of our t- early teachings is this is how it goes and it's it is very you know and it's good you need this in the early stages yeah, you know the yeah. black and white you, the, 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 you need to have to some foundations and things mm-hmm. like that but then as you start to make better decisions you get knowledge and you're able to make decisions and and have. Um, foundations in which to um, make that decision and 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 have supported education um, different experiences you know I'm not um, at all human experience is a very good ed- education it doesn't have to be evidence-based all the time uh, just my point um, the the point there was is that they that we were we were given the okay to not be in a design and programmed piece. We were able to express, and that doesn't happen often. And like in, in, in um, the Primal Movement Works in the courses, we give students a chance to express. And I throw at them exploration where they have to start thinking on their own and they're not cued on what to do. Mm-hmm. And my, my, um, back when I was in college, I had movement exploration as part of uh, my curriculum. And we would do problem solving in that movement exploration. So you give a human a, a solve, and it's very much like what you're doing, Allison, is crawling. Okay, here's mm-hmm. that obstacle course crawling, which is awesome. So you got contralateral course stability. You got nice connection between the shoulders and hip. I mean, what mm-hmm. better? There's no better gait training than that. They have to nope. problem solve. How are they going to move in that way to get over there? And that's what's missing in a lot of our movement education right now is it's, it's, it's all set out for them. It's told what to do and they're not having to make that decision and make that, that connection of movement to analyzing and, and problem solving it. So, you know, anytime we can bring that to our students, we're going to have a much greater I think success. Yeah. Mm, more and it's harder teaching. to teach. It's much easier to teach. Do X, do Y. Oh, you totally. Know. Totally. Yeah. Um, so. You know, it's interesting to me because I think, you know, we are talking about um, moving people toward, you know, this is, this is a topic that I talk about a lot because of the master's program, um, but the five stages of competency, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. Not to, mm-hmm. not to have to, you know, it's like, I don't need a, a rigid container to fit my ideas into, but I do value this progression because I think there's a lot to be gained from understanding that what typically we are doing is 
holding our students hostage to that third level of competency, right? Where they're relying on the list of things they're supposed Mm -hmm. to do, you know, inhale here, move now, move this way, engage now, engage this muscle, do this with my foot, do this with my knee. And as long as we are reproduce that, yeah, guiding them through them that way. I joke with my teachers in training. I'm like, look, we're in reformer two or reformer three. You should not have to teach or tell your students how to lie down on a reformer, put their foot on the footbar for footwork. It's like <laughs> we're doing footwork. Like get your ducks in a row and let's get going. You know, so it's, like, mm-hmm. it's such an interesting thing that I think just evolutionarily as a, as a community, my experience is that we've been stuck a little bit in this. Just It's just instructing. It's we, we like, we feel really good about being able to give all of the levels, like all of these pieces to our students. It feels complete. It feels whole. It feels like we're producing results. And yet really what we're doing is, you know, they're certainly gaining, uh, you know, skill in that fourth stage of competency, but, but not as much as they could, right? Not as much as they could. And I think what we're talking about, what you all, the discussion so far is pointing to is moving people toward that felt sense experience, right? Where it's bottom-up processing, it's intuitive, it's getting them to trust their own experience of their bodies, um, trusting, you know, the range that they can move in. Like you're talking about, Claudia, you know, making decisions, strategizing and and trying to figure out like, how am I going to get from point A to point B in this body as it is right in this moment, not, not as, you know, a list of instructions I'm supposed to complete in order to you know, stand up, lift a leg, take a step, and then take another step. But my real point is that I think also it's not just about felt sense experience, but what's really thrilling to me and what I keep seeing more and more of is that we are, I think as teachers, uh, many of uh, many of you who I've been in conversation with over the years, you know, it's like we know that there's a deep, rich layer to this. That's mm-hmm. about spirit. That's about yep. self-awareness. Yes. That's about, um, you know, we've been using this term, you know, social change, because when you affect the human being, one human being in this way, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, psychologically, you're making a, a tremendous impact, right? On the, on how that person is interacting with everybody else that they're interacting with. And it's nice to see, and it's really thrilling for me to see teachers kind of coming out of their bubble and saying, yeah, this is what happens when we do this work. This is not just about the body, but it's about something. It's about something more. And that's what I'm seeing more and more of. And I love that we can take it from the body's perspective, but that, that more of us are talking about, you know, this is not the end. This is just the beginning, right? It's just a gateway to something bigger. But it's a journey and people yeah. are at different places. So sometimes yeah. people, you know, are, aren't ready to go into a deep, they like, they can't even figure out how to push the machine out yet. Sure, 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 sure. So, uh, and I think this is, uh, again, I think you have it with your stages of competency as well. That so it's my concern as we start to embrace this that we don't want to um, not value letting people where they're going to be and let them have their space to kind of work through some of the other stuff first. Yeah, of course, of course. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I think we can probably draw examples from uh, you know our history of of Pilates where we 
have great intentions and we, we grab onto something that we think is really beautiful, insightful, powerful, and then we go to that opposite extreme. So yeah. you know, it, it wouldn't be surprising. I mean, it's just happening all the time, right? We get really excited about something. We think that maybe it's the big missing link and then we spend a lot of time there and, and inevitably we forget about some of these other things. So um, mm. it is just, it's just a balancing, I think a balancing, but you know, it's true. Obviously, I think we all know that it's true that we have to honor both where we are developmentally as teachers and where our students are developmentally, right, in the learning mm-hmm. process. Skill acquisition mm-hmm. is happening on a million different levels all the time for all of us, right, as teachers and as students. And it's certainly not, you know, let's just talk about how this movement's going to make your heart expand and you know, and then send yeah. you out the door. I guess I'm just <laughs> and, saying that. And we go, again, that was a lovely session. Yeah. As we joke about our near hundred years of experience here together, um, <laughs> that we can talk about this sort of stuff. Uh, but when you're talking to baby instructors and they're panicked. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, how do I do that? I've yeah. done like reformer one and that too. Right. And I'm yeah. now supposed to figure out how to solve everyone's existential you know, life crisis <laughs> through movement. Yeah. So, now you're not just a Pilates teacher. You're an enlightenment coach. Coach. <laughs> <in the same time. laughs> Wait a minute. And and that's fantastic, right? And if you could manage that, but there's just a huge um, value also in just the first bits too. Yeah. Well, you can't. uh, Well, and it depends on, it depends on where the client is. I mean, certainly there are clients who they just want to come in and work out and sweat. And they, in fact, would like to be in that earlier level of competence. They want to be told what to do, when to do it. Feel yeah, and I think that's okay. I think the out. issue is when you keep them there for almost your yeah. own ego. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where and you're so like, they're, they need me. So they can't figure That'd out be, where to put no. their big toe if I'm not there to like take the ruler and put it for them. Yeah. Well, uh, and interestingly, I think those clients are more appropriate for younger teachers. Possibly. Yeah. Even, the, even if, even if they are, you know, really physically competent and adept, those the younger teachers do need to have time to to just get comfortable in their skin and get comfortable with their ability to see the movements and to see the anatomy in motion their ability to relate to clients on a pretty straightforward we are communicating information back and forth how does this feel please do this before they can evolve and then i think you know i often find that there's a certain kind of beginner mind client that really thrives with a much more experienced teacher rather than say, well, younger teacher, beginner client, we're all good. Not always. No, no. No, I think Mm -hmm. that often there's a real place for, you know, you can, you can find those early clients who they just, they're quite happy to spend a good chunk of time on a single exercise because they are in fact listening to the cues and then listening to the silence. Mm-hmm. and embodying it and figuring out how it works and how does it feel. And then, you know, so we do a, a, a choreographed exercise. How does that feel? And then go and do something completely unboundaried. Go and just like shake and wiggle or crawl yeah. or, you know, do seaweed arms and legs with your butt on a ball where there's just no stability and bring your nervous system to a different place and then come back and try the choreographed exercise again. How does it feel now? 
Yeah. And getting the getting like a brand new teacher to try and absorb all of those things at once can be um, a little overwhelming. Yeah. And so I think, so I think yeah. there's really a place. There's a place for all of those layers and levels of competency, but they match up really interestingly with different kinds of clients. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's and like my it, example that I always use is you, you know, you can't you you learn to write because you have to learn the alphabet. It's like there's A is the beginning. Then what comes next? B. And then what? C. Okay. And then we learn, we learn the alphabet and then we learn, oh, these letters get put together in different orders. Oh, that's fascinating. You mean I can put the A and the T together and it means something or, oh, look, I add another letter and I have C-A-T. You know, it's like, there's no, this Mm -hmm. is not, this is not about, you know, saying that there is a, um, well, we're back to, you know, right or wrong, like better or less mm-hmm. better. It's yeah, not about that at all. But I do think that what I am appreciating is that as teachers, we are seeing that we need to also evolve in the same way that our students have to mm-hmm. evolve mm-hmm. from those early developmental stages where absolutely they need to just be guided and they need to be told and well instructed. And it's simple and it's straightforward. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Sense your body, be in your body, lift your arm, lift your leg, stand on one foot, shake your head, like all of those things. Absolutely. Like you just can't, you can't get out the door from sitting in the chair, right? I mean, what do you get? You get to stand up first. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's all there. It's just, I think for me, and this goes back to like the very beginning question is I I think that what we're doing as teachers is we're just seeing a bigger picture. And that's that's really cool to me, you know, that we can now begin to have these conversations. Um, and there's been an energy switch recently about embracing this. Yeah. And yeah, appreciating yeah. it that yeah, I haven't for sure. uh, been feeling a lot more recently that I wasn't there in the past. Yeah. So that's my experience too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just in Pilates. I know like Nikki and I have been um, on our podcast, we talk to people from all sorts of different disciplines mm-hmm. and then we just keep laughing because we're like, we're having the same conversation with everybody Absolutely. Uh, from these completely mm-hmm. different fields and things that we've like from our hypertrophy person to the, <laughs> you know, the yoga person to the power lifter mm-hmm. um, that there's still that theme is kind of growing. So there's something going on, I think even beyond just, uh, the Pilates community. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would totally agree. So the question then becomes like, yeah, go ahead. I, I, real quick. I see that a lot of that comes from the social media. The, the exposure mm-hmm. is broadening mm-hmm. our, our, our awareness and our, and, and looking so at so many more um, things in front at, of us. Exactly. And that, you know, it, it was always probably there, but it wasn't in a much more small or contained level and you just didn't have the interaction. And I think with that, people are going, and, and they're also finding allies. So just like yeah. as we are, yeah. we're like, oh man, there's like people who are thinking them, hey, Allison's crawling right on, you know, that kind of stuff. Just, I thought I was the only one who was crazy enough crawling around in the studio. But, yeah. like, Ooh, it, but Claudia is crawling like this. Oh, I wonder if I could try this. And I think, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's forming these um, cross-pollinations between modalities mm-hmm. and, and um, the more of these connections are getting made, the more that supports more connections. It's, al- it's allowed. I'm kind of doing like little air quotes here. 
but I think it is, I think you're right, Claudia, there's this vast expanding of the movement modalities and we can see them. And yeah, the more yeah. we yeah. see it, them, the more yeah. we try them. And then we're supported by other people going, oh, hey, I saw you did this. And I incorporated it into my completely different thing that I teach. And wow, they work really well together. I'll yeah. own up to a bad humbug, though, every now and again, where I'm like, I'll see stuff and they're like, oh, this is the most amazing thing ever. And I'm like, I've been doing that for a day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And exactly. Uh, I'm like, exactly. really? <laughs> so I, yeah. that's my first and, reaction. And then the appreciation comes later because, you know, I can be yeah. a better person and it's sometimes. A, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is just a, a small example of you humans. We're all, we're doing different things, but we're all very similar. Yeah. Yeah. And that we, we have a very similar thing going on. It's just we didn't know that over there that was happening until we have this avenue. Um, uh, and I think this is really cool. And it's great to be able to create some union, create some momentum with this. And, and, and really like what you're saying, Chantel, is that you're, we're changing, we're shaping, we're making um, this aware and, and moving into a, a, a new direction that um, maybe it's a little more inclusive. Maybe it's, I so. um, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, and maybe, you know, there's not so much uh, this, this kind of, um, uh, hierarchy of that this is a better than that because there's things that speak to everyone and mm-hmm. what's right for you know you we've talked about this already but what's the right modality for one is may not be may not speak to the other mm-hmm. and knowing how these all work together and and how it can come as a, a common thread is, is is key and if we have this communication and this awareness amongst all these different um, leaders of the modalities <laughs> maybe that can be um, a, a better u- unity for movement as a whole. Cause we need our people in this world moving, especially in the U S. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I had that thought too. I was just, um, you know, re rereading return to life. And it was him ranting about um, how people are terrible movers nowadays. <laughs> right. So I, I keep wondering is how much the of more this things change, the more they remain the same. The same. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so the so, flipping around in his grave. So the question is, yeah, where are we going? I mean, you know, where is this, where is this taking us in our, in our community? I mean, well, I didn't, can we, we talk about the big box Pilates? We can. Yeah. Okay. This um, this whole idea, you know, of large groups. I mean, we all know as as it is, and um, it it is it's great to have people get exposed to it. Uh, I think we we need to have a we need to have a uni a unity of our our movement teachers that understand the quality and what's an accessible volume because things get lost and just mm-hmm. as you know it within your client you're asking them to hinge back from the knees on a thigh stretch right and they don't know what that means and you're just right there with them and you're speaking English and they understand English and, and you're saying something to them. And, you know, I call this the unbend that I ask the client to go ahead and um, straighten out her arm 
and she just did not. And then I asked her, go ahead, move your hand away from your body. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Move your hand uh, towards the window at that place. And she's like, oh, you mean unbend. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for it. There it is. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So, how a client is going to be able to interpret what the teachers t- in in forty is really amazing. <laughs> to have a a, a a safe and um, an effective class. So, I think you know we need to find. And, you know, I'm not trying to put regulations, but have some understandable acceptance of what is um, a size that is manageable for most teachers. I have a question. Does anyone know this? Because I know the PMA used to have a stance on the largest size class, and I was trying to look it up recently, and I couldn't find it anymore. Does anyone know? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to find out. Yeah, because I feel that there was something, but they've had sponsorships change recently. And so, again, wondering if that's still there. Um, I don't know. I kind of describe it differently because there's, again, there's value in everything. But I have, um, like I taught a college class once where I had 17 people in my class, right? And I felt it was a very valuable thing to go and teach this class. But there is no way I'm correcting 17 people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a good instructor. I'm not that good, right? If you're doing six reps of something and you have 17 people, there's no way that the best instructor in the world can see what all 17 people are doing and give them any feedback or correction. Uh, so it puts it in the category more like it's like a video, right? Or if I'm at the front of the room or I'm, um, or like putting Pilates anytime on. And there's Mm -hmm. value for Pilates anytime or for a video. It's basically just a live in-person version of that. Um, And what I think one of the things I love about teaching Pilates is it's a back and forth between the instructor and the client that Mm -hmm. we're having um, Mm -hmm. a relationship while they're experiencing their movement. And when you get to a certain size, that whole piece of it is lost which again is not to say that there isn't some value to that in and of itself, but it's not what I would consider what makes Pilates a great movement. Uh, Well, and it's one of the big interesting differences between the Pilates world and the yoga world. And I wonder if that's one of the things in North America, at least that's, that is contributing to some of the, the giganticness is that yoga classes often have 20, 30, 40 people because yeah, it's just huge. And so in some, in some places it's, it is a led experience and it's about, it's about moving however you want to move in your body, which of course has great value, but it's not an educational experience in the same sense that we interpret it in our world where it tends to be more about, as you were saying, Janet, this kind of, ability to individually respond to 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 a client or as Claudia was saying to just keep you keep talking to the same client until until you understand each other and you have a common language for what does unbend mean Mm -hmm. you can't do that in those huge classes but there are business models to be met and so there's this oh well look over there look at what the yoga people are doing just in all honesty it's Mm -hmm. really hard that it's a challenge. Could, yeah. If I could get 20 people, and that's what I often find fascinating to me because I look at some of that style, 
they're not charging that much less than what I charge, but the size is so much better. And I'm like, you can do the math. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah. I've thought about it. I'm like, what do I do as my business model? And I'm like, I am personally, well, I say that there's value to having certain things like that as a Pilates inspired led experience. That's not really what I'm interested in teaching in the long term. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, so for me, I have to come up with a different way of doing it. Um, however, you want to invite me to a large conference, I'm happy to teach a big group, right? But that experience is not, <laughs> but not as your all day, every day. This yeah, is how I teach all the time, you know, masterclass yeah. sort of moment. Uh, even when you're doing instructor training, I'm going, sometimes I have bodies I've literally never seen before, mm-hmm. right? So my class becomes a lot more generic when I'm doing just a sample class in the beginning of an instructor training. Uh, because I don't know these people. I don't know their bodies yet. By the end of the weekend, you start to you know have a little bit more of an idea. Um, so I know personally, I've just changed. Like I no longer say I teach classes. I say I do small group training, right? And um, I charge the same for Matt as what I charge for Reformer, right? Uh, I'm going, it's all about my ratio to instructor to number of people there, then that's how I'm setting up my, my balance. Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm going, I can't beat them on size and quantity, uh, and nor should I, or right. miserable. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that I'm not giving the same experience or selling the same experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do what I always do and straddle the line because I feel, I, I mean, I'm of the same mind as you, Janet, I think, um, well, and And as you, Claudia, I mean, I feel like there, I am fascinated by this like overwhelming emergence of the franchise Pilates thing. You know, at first I was like horrified, but then what I realized Mm -hmm. is um, there, it, it, it all has value. And, and what I think, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's really interesting to me because I know teachers who teach at Club Pilates and I know they're great teachers. I have yeah, at least one of my teachers. staff. Yeah. And I know I right. I, I have I have dear friends who teach there and who also practice there and have had great experiences. So I guess my perspective is like, let's just get really curious about what that means for us as studio owners, as as individual mm-hmm. teachers and as practitioners, because what I what I think it's going to do. And I had a great conversation with um, Melissa Kakavis, who's a balanced body teacher and is in Raleigh. And it's like, I think that this, what it's going to do is it's going to force all of us to get really, clear. really, really clear. Like clear. you are talking about Janet, about what it is that we do and what, uh, what are our priorities and what are we dedicated to? And we will have to, whether we do it individually or as a community, draw some lines around what we feel like is a safe Mm -hmm. amount of people to work with on the equipment. And that is great. Like how, how great is that? It it can move us toward understanding ourselves a little bit better. I mean, that's a little, you know, woo woo, but you know, (laughs) I think, but I think it is, I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. I think, I think there is value in all of these different ways of moving and teaching and interacting. And how do you, so I'll, I'll join you on the woo-woo platform. How do you <laughs> honor the part that you're passionate about? I was having a discussion with one of my coaching clients today, and she was kind of talking about she's moved to a different city and how's she going to market herself. And I said, well, you need to figure out exactly what kind of teaching is your jam. What right. kind of class makes you leave the class, not as a client, but as the teacher, 
with a grin from ear to ear going, that was fucking awesome. That was so much fun. The clients <laughs> loved it. I love that you I loved it. Group. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm a terrible, terrible trucker. I well, I was a stagehand for 12 years. I, I can swear up. And so you can bleep that out, Chantel. Mm -mm, mm -mm. No, uh -uh. I'm not going to do it. But I'm going to have but to. You know what I mean? You have to, as a teacher, there's so many teachers. There are so many of us, mm -hmm. not just in Pilates, but there's Pilates teachers and yoga teachers and natural movement teachers and primal movement teachers and restorative exercise teachers. And like, there's a lot of us. So if you're going to go into this kind of challenging business, because it's not a great money maker and it can take a lot of time, you got to love what you're doing. Amen. But I you have also, to say that as a, a group though, we don't value ourselves enough. Amen. Uh, I would agree with I was, that. Yeah, I would that. totally I was agree with that. that conversation. We were wondering if it came from dance and that dancers are used to being broke all the time. That <laughs> if that huh. has, you know, infiltrated the whole as a non ex dancer. <laughs> um, going, okay, so how come somebody who does like a quickie um, certification can charge exactly the same as what I'm charging in my market? Yeah. Right for um, yeah. that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it doesn't make sense. I don't think we value what we do, and um, you know, so I don't know. I just think that that's a well, piece of it. That is a that I'm is gonna yeah, go on, a piece. I'm going to go on to that. The public doesn't know the difference. They don't know the difference. And yeah, not, absolutely. Yeah, and so you know, we're educated to look for contractor licenses, right? And not to hire someone who's not contracting because they're not bonded, blah, 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 blah. But mm -hmm. what education do does the public have regarding the difference uh, between personal trainers, between Pilates teachers, between a, a one massage therapist to another uh, it, it, structural integration? What is it? There's nothing that really um, helps the 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 public know the different levels of education experience, uh, continuing education that's required uh, in this type of domain. It is it's like we need a movement specific better business bureau. Yeah. <laughs> in a sense, I, I like that. That's, mm -hmm. Well, I that's do good. think, I think it's true, Claudia. And, and uh, I mean, I think that the and they assume is, somebody is watching after them and making sure people who could do harm are not out there which is yeah. very much not the case. Right, no, no. But I do think that the PMA is trying to do that, right? Oh, no, the PMA way. is one of the, uh, mm -hmm. people have issues with the PMA, but I'm going, no one else is advocating for our industry. I think when that's it. I mean, to exactly. the person who's doing a better job, I'll join yeah. them. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. who uh, they have put tremendous heart and soul and money and time and effort into trying to create a standard for us. And I think that's a start. You know, you have to really commend them. And with all the things you could say that you don't like about the mm -hmm. structure of it and all of the things, you know. They, but I think that's the Pilates cattiness that sometimes comes out. Um, I was at an ECSM workshop and they were talking about how, um, what's the thing where they have um, PMA is in that, where we are associated with the um, accredited Rep. certification, the reps thing. It's the reps. Yes. And they were talking about how they were advocating from reps 
about changing because currently under the IRS, we come under personal services other mm. and that moving it into healthcare other versus personal services other. And I'm going, so if the PMA mm-hmm. hadn't have sat there and got the, and who knows what'll come of this or any, I think it was for 2018 is the next time they're redoing the categorizations. And I was like, so PMA was saying, what about Pilates? Shouldn't we be there too? Because I know mm-hmm. I would be kind of cranky if I could be healthcare because of my ACE group X instructor sort that I have, but my years of Pilates and three different certifications I have don't, those aren't, won't make me qualified. Those aren't valid. Yeah. Yeah. So, and stuff like that, I think we as an industry, you need to have a a voice at the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and that's PMA. And I think that's what the PMA. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they're doing, they're doing that work and they are, working in and yes they do have a sponsorship but they're not owned by club bodies or any other um no. sponsors that and they're doing a really um you know the effort and there's a lot of people as i know as one of my business partners is on the board and that's mm-hmm. all volunteer yeah yep. and, and mm-hmm. Yep. And it takes a lot of time, let me tell you. There's yeah. a lot of time that is spent on phone calls and, and uh, meetings. And, you know, uh, we need to have, as a, as a, we need a, a voice that can uh, represent us. Um, I belong to the National Athletic Trainers Association. And when I first graduated from college, that was, that was the immediate thing that I became a member of because you need to have a uh, representation of your profession, your governing body, someone who's there. And, and we need to you know, continue to support that, but we also need to bring our concerns to them. Yes. Yeah. And let and them know what, what we're talking we're too- about here. To quote, like my instructor, we're, we're concerned about the PMA's stance on nose hair alignment. Uh, <laughs> when we really need to be having a voice at the table for decisions uh, that are going to be made about what we can do as an industry and as a profession. And where do we fit in this? Because we know movement heals, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. where are we going to fit in that in the future? And the nose hair alignment questions really don't matter yeah. that much yeah, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I just feel, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's exciting to me. It's just all exciting. And again, it's like, um, I feel like our community is really getting more invested, right? More invested. Like you're talking about Janet, just like in the larger, in the larger outcome. And that's really exciting. Um, it's a, it's a cool thing to be a part of. And we are all really passionate and sometimes we take passionate uh, opposite ends of the spectrum, but that's what makes the world go around. You guys, uh, it's uh, been super awesome. Thank you. What a great group. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to get on with us and chat and just, you know, BS and unravel and mine what we've been talking about. I really, really appreciate you and I'm so grateful for all the, you know, perspectives. So thanks so much. And um, yeah, gosh, you guys, you know, I hope you enjoyed this. And next time we do a teacher community debrief, get your ass on the line. Say something. <laughs> Thank you so much for, uh, for including me. I w- it was really fun. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Thanks. Allison. Great to make thanks, connections. Janet. Yeah. So awesome. Thanks. Hey. Claudia. Thank right, you. Lovely. Now okay. I can go feed the goats because they're hungry. Yeah. Goats. <laughs> okay, do it. All right, everybody. Yeah. <laughs>
Alrighty. Bye-bye. You can reach us at thinking Pilates podcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and look forward to the next time. Until then, breathe deep and teach well. All the things that make you sing and tap your little toe.